Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. Trigger warning. The following episode contains descriptions of graphic violence, sexual assault, and adult language. Viewer discretion is advised. I'm Danielle. I'm Max. And each Wednesday, we crack open a bottle of wine and dive into some thrills, chills, and spills. This is Innocent Till Tipsy. Last week, we were talking about the extremely infamous West Memphis 3 case. And there were some updates last week, actually, from the case, which as of right now, Max and I, we film in advance. So we're actually filming currently the day before the hearing is happening. I'm currently in Memphis, Tennessee, waiting to head over to West Memphis, Arkansas tomorrow to actually be physically present at the hearing. So I have no idea right now what if they can retry evidence what's going to kind of come from that. Um, But last week we went through a heck of a lot when it comes to what happened, how the murders happened, the background on those that were um, incarcerated for this crime, um, whether they kind of did it or not, definitely up for debate. Um, So for a split second here, let me try to give you a rough recap of what we talked about, but we're not going to be able to recap the whole thing. Like you really are going to have to go back and listen to it because it's just, it's too much. Yeah. Sure. So on May 5th, 1993, three little boys went out biking, bike riding and disappeared. Their bodies were found the following day in a rain soaked ditch in the Robin Hood Hills woods in West Memphis, Arkansas. The night Chris Byers, Michael Moore and Stevie Branch were murdered just a mile away from where their bodies would be found unidentified. A man bloodied with his feet covered in mud would walk into that fast food Bojangles restaurant. He, according to witnesses, seemed mentally deranged as he locked himself in the woman's restroom for a little bit. So the police were called, right? Hmm. And this female officer had also taken one of the missing boy's mother's statements right before she gets called to this. I know to the restaurant. It was crazy. Same officer. She knew that this was happening. She takes the manager's statement through a drive-through window. Like that's the level that we're working with right now. (laughs) Like you have a missing, a missing child. And yes, it's what 1993. So, but it's, ridiculous um so she takes the account she leaves she never even enters the restaurant the next day they would take this blood scrapings from the wall but those blood scrapings were lost and they'd never ever been sent to a crime lab so that's what yeah bojangles man is still totally unidentified and this is just one of the many lapses in judgments from the west memphis police department it's ridiculous um it would take them decades to even begin looking at the parents concerning these children who were murdered like we say all the time, you and me, I feel like it's like yeah. the husband always did it. Like it's those closest yeah. to you that commit these kinds of murders, especially that's this where you typically murder. start in an investigation. Yeah. They start with last scene and closest. 
Well, you know, a lot of people would point out how weird it is that they they took this leap to satanic panic and that it was a satanic yeah. cult that committed this crime when someone tried extremely hard to hide the bodies of these boys. They were, you know, found weighted down in uh, in this water ditch along with their clothes. Their clothes were pressed down in with sticks and everything else. Like this seems more of like a crime that would happen if you were like, you knew them, you know, like you don't want them found because you knew them, not a transient, not someone they don't know, like a satanic cult killing. It's, it's very strange. Um, but police found that narrative and they stuck to it. And within just three weeks of the investigation, all because a parole officer made a list of people he thought could be involved in the crime. Um, Damien, his best friend, Jason Baldwin and his acquaintance, Jesse, Miss Kelly, these three teenagers would all be arrested for three charges of capital murder. As we said earlier, the case is still extremely current. They're going to be have, or they did have the hearing um, concerning the DNA evidence and whether it will be um, rerun uh, now that we have all of this advanced technology that could actually find out who the killers or killer was. But also Stranger Things new season has a character that's yes. based on Damien Eccles uh, and the West Memphis Three, Eddie Munson, who was very beloved like across the board by the fans. And you are now watching. I caught up. I stayed yeah. up like almost all night last night i am i have okay uh i actually have 20 minutes left i know i was starting to fall asleep i have i have no idea how i stopped it with 20 minutes left but i'm excited to watch the last 20 minutes so i am mostly caught up um and yeah that's that is like there's so much satanic panic like it's it's really it was it's it's really um it was really wild to me. Like, I, I don't know. I was like, oh, my God. And then Dungeons and Dragons and everything. I Like, all of that would be called yeah. into this case. It's the weirdest yeah. thing. Um, but before we dive in from where we left off, Max, what do you have for wine today? Because mine's the same as the last episode. Mm. <laughs> okay. And it, yours is your barn, your barn wine? My right? urban barn dark red blend. It was on BOGO at Publix. And I don't know which one I drank last time. So the Pinot Noir and the red blend um, were on sale for BOGO. So I I got both. And as you know, I was kind of like running out of my house this week to try to get over here um, in time for the hearing and everything. So I just chucked a bottle of wine in my car. <laughs> this will so do. This, this is what we've got right now. <laughs> so I drove like, I don't know how long is it? It was been, I would say about 15 hours now. I don't know. Oh, it's 15 a little, hours. Maybe a little bit less, maybe a little bit less. They drove 11 and a half hours yesterday. And then today I drove three and a half. So whatever that equals out to. But I know. I'm glad you got there. Someone will put it in the comments. Like you, you guys are stupid. Like, you can't ask. And I'm like, <laughs> how long were you on the road? It's it's tricky. Um, I'm drinking. <laughs> I'm drinking black cabra. So okay. that means goat, and obviously a black goat. Hey, satanic panic. Hey. Um, yeah. that's why I picked this. So, it this is uh, my first international wine. Your small back. Uh, oh. It's got hints of coffee, blue fruit, and it goes with, guess, grilled meats. <laughs> um, so I actually really like it. It's very, I didn't really realize how different red wines were till we started drinking them mm-hmm. um, and talking about them, honestly. like, uh, But this is not as bold. It's like really smooth and I like it. This one's, this one's pretty bold today. Um so I'm a little jealous because I'm feeling very like I'm tired today. I got up at four to get over here. So I'm like living on a prayer over here, but we got it. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm God. living on a prayer. I don't have eyelashes. I glued I on a nail before we started. I shoved a sandwich in like, yeah. And we don't even have Sasha this episode. <laughs> like we've all been extremely run off our feet. So 
everybody's but busy right now, but we've got it to highlight. Yeah. I'm so excited to talk about this because honestly it, well, especially when the episode comes out, like there'll be more even then. I know. I know. So I'm hoping on how that goes an addendum at the end of this episode, hopefully. So I'll try to film one um, within the weekend with Sasha at some point in time when we get a a chance and kind of put an update to what's going on with this case at the end. Um, But yeah, last week we left off with the confession of Jesse Mescali. Refresher. um, Jesse's not friends with Damien or with Jesse. Actually, Jesse was kind of scared of Damien, according to his father. And but he did know both of them. So on June 3rd, he's brought into the police station right for questioning after his father signs paperwork, releasing him to these officers. Jesse? Uh, Jesse to these officers. Yeah. Yeah. What? That's insane. mm -hmm. How old is he? He was 17 years old. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a minor, clearly with the parent situation, but huh. Yeah. Yeah. Damien was 18 and Jason was 16. He's brought in his question for over 12 hours. And on the way to the police station, Detective Mike Allen told Jesse if he knew anything, there was a $35,000 reward. And if he'd help them out, he'd be sure to get Jesse the money. Uh, no, that's not how this works. Um, yeah, but also like saying those things to children, I can't believe that's allowed. And keep in mind, we talked about this the last episode, but Jesse only has an IQ of 75 and later someone evaluated him and said that he had the reasoning of a six to seven years, a seven year old. And at the time back then, of course, this is the nineties, but the way that they phrased things, they said that he was um, mildly mentally retarded. So, like it, it's not a good situation. And so Miss Kelly senior. So Jesse's father testified quote, Mike Allen was, and Jesse was joking about the, he said $40,000 reward. He said, if Jesse, if they get a conviction out of that, Jesse would get the $40,000 reward and that he's going to buy him a new truck. And Jesse's laughing and says, no, I'm not either. He said, I'm going to buy my daddy a truck and I'm going to take his old one. Mm, So, yeah, Detective Allen later testified that he did not remember speaking to either of them about the Of course he doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) Ah. (laughs) I feel like that happened in another case. Oh, that was um, the... Uh, Starve Rock murders where they're like the police were like t- yeah remember in the car and they were like we didn't oh, say that and right. then the other police officer testified like he's like yeah you did like threatening to ride the thunderbolt yes yes yeah. yes with so, sister I feel like yeah. inside of the uh, squad car they're like warming them up you know yeah they're like oh yeah super fun happy times you know we'll get you your car we'll get you you know like yeah goodness so they're. He was interrogated, as I said, for over 12 hours aggressively by two detectives. It started at about a little after nine in the morning and went to an undisclosed time. But only two segments of this entire interview would be recorded, and they were totally about 45 minutes recorded. So this 45-minute recording was transcribed and then somehow leaked to the commercial appeal, which was a paper, and Vicki Hutchison's statement would be leaked to them as well. Jesse's statement was featured on the front page of the paper. The headline for Jesse's article read, Teen Describes Cult Torture of Boys. This made it impossible to find an impartial yeah. jury in the area. Ridiculous. Were they tried there? 
They were. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how you could find an impartial jury when you have that as a headline. It should have been moved. A hundred percent at least should have been moved. Um, ridiculous. Um, and like, there's no way I don't think that was done purposely because to this day, we don't know who leaked it. Oh yeah. Someone that had a motive to leak it. Yeah. So detective Gitchell, (laughs) not saying anything, but he said he had no idea who, uh, who leaked it. Who could that be? I'm no clue. Anyways. Now, Jesse did confess to the murders immediately after being shown a crime scene photo of the body of Christopher Byers, who withstood the most injuries, including the genital mutilation. So, according to police, after seeing the photo, Jesse stated that he didn't want to be a part of this, that Damien and Jason had killed and he did not. He will think about taking a polygraph test. None was taken. And then this investigator who was noting this said, I left the room at which time Jesse informed Gary Gitchell of his being present during the time of the murders, witnessed the murders by Damien and Jason. Hmm. So Jesse's confession was mangled. It was inaccurate, but with the help of help, as I said last time of the West Memphis police department, he was able to recall the satanic cult rape and murder of these three little boys by three teen boys in the woods. Keep in mind, there was no evidence of rape, no physical evidence at all when they found the bodies. Now, the inconsistencies in Jesse's statement in and of itself were many, but here's just a handful of what I was able to pull because we just, we don't have all the time in the world, unfortunately. So the timing of the crime, he said that Stevie, Michael and Chris had skipped school and um, they even printed that in the paper. Like when they released huh. that statement. Yeah. And they did not, we know they didn't, they attended school that day. Right. Yeah. This yeah. was have been after school. The mom saw them after one of the moms saw them after school. Right. Yes. Boys. Yeah. yeah. And he kept changing his time. He said it, it happened in the morning. He got, and then like it kept morphing yeah. and Gitchell explained that Jesse just did this because he was getting confused and he didn't know. Um, but they were really good at informing him. They were like, no, but didn't the boys go to school that day? And then he was like, no, they cut school. Like they were, they were pretty informative. Um, Ridge and Gitchell, the two investigators who were questioning Jesse provided answers for some of the questions um, asked. Uh, like they asked if, They'd possibly use sticks on the victim, asked if they tied the victims up, if the victims were in the water. When Jesse said one of the boys were cut on the bottom, Gitchell said, now you're talking about the bottom. Do you mean right here? And motions to his groin area. And Miss Kelly says, mm-hmm. And Gitchell says, in the groin area. And Miss Kelly says, mm-hmm. And Gitchell says, okay. And Ridge says, do you know what his penis is? Like there, so he says that this kid was cut on his bottom, but then they're saying, oh, like the groin. Like if I'm saying you, you wouldn't say your bottom. Right. No, no, no. And obviously all these questions are leading questions. So very leading and giving information that only the killer would have known. Like, you know, like did did you beat them with sticks? Like, you know, and they, they had suspected that the boys were beaten with sticks. So they're just, they're feeding this information. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Jesse couldn't even get the identities of the boys correct, even when a photo was placed in front of him labeled with each boy's name. I don't know why they continued questioning him if this is that. I mean, obviously, it's they were looking for someone. But um, if he's that far off, I don't even know how he could be like, we can work with this. It's not like he's close. 
It's even. crazy. But I think too, they, they got like, so I was listening, it was Jerry driver, the guy that provided this list to police. I was watching the last part of the West um, paradise lost on my drive today, actually like not really watching it, but I had it in like the background re-listening to it. And Jerry driver had said that um, these cops who were, he says, good cops, uh, take or leave that, but whatever. Um, he said, we're very concerned about the satanic issue that they had in their community. They knew that Damien was involved in this, like Satanism, even though Damien wasn't, he identified as a Wiccan. We've talked about that before mm -hmm. and how Wiccan and, and Satanists are a completely different thing. And so they got hooked on it. And that's why we ended up where we ended up is it's so unfortunate. Um, but detective Ridge continues his questioning and he says, all right, you got in front of you a picture that was taken out of the newspaper, I believe. It's got three boys, and these three boys are the ones killed on the date in Robin Hood Will Woods, okay? Which one of these boys is it you say Damien hit? The third picture would be, and Miss Kelly says, Michael Moore. And Gitchell says, this boy right here. And Jesse says, yeah. Gitchell says, all right, that's uh, the buyer's boy. Miss Kelly says, Christopher. And Gitchell says, that's who you're pointing at. And Ms. Kelly says, mm-hmm. So Ridge says, if you read the captions, the grizzly slain from left, eight-year-old Michael Moore, Stevie Branch, and Christopher Byers. Okay. So you saw Damien strike Christopher Byers in the head. Yeah. He's just feeding it, feeding it, feeding it in. He also didn't initially seem to know which Jason Baldwin he met. Okay. So wait till we get a load of this. Oh, what? This is crazy. So there were two Jason Baldwins in the area at the time of this. Yes. Okay. So that's Jesse, unfortunate huh, for everybody, everyone involved. So Jesse had initially actually said that Jason was the leader of this entire event, had called the boys and said, there's some boys I want to murder. I know. And Whoa. that doesn't make any no. like a sense with the narrative that they ended up going with the police did mm -hmm. you know he said that um jason had called damien and jesse see if they want to kill some boys that evening and um so the the two jesse's there's charles jason baldwin that's damien's best friend they're like glue okay he's damien's shadow anywhere damien went he followed he was small and thin and lived on lakeshore and then there was jason howard baldwin who was close to about 300 pounds, lived oh. on Johnson and not too far away from the elementary school where the boys had gone to. So, so Jeff, you don't get them confused. They look different. They hang out with different people and they live in different places. So when writing things down for police, Jesse had made a note next to Jason Baldwin's name and it read, not the one that lives on Lakeshore. Oh, it's like... Not that one. They're like, no, we, we need it to be that one. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that wild? I can't believe he like explicitly even said it's not him. And then they're like, yeah, it is. Yeah. Wow. That made me like, I was so mad. But anyways, so when Detective Ridge asked him why he came forward just now with this information, um, Jesse responded because I was scared and Ridge said scared of Damien or of the police and Jesse said scared of the police yet this entire confession was the smoking gun in the West Memphis three case like it wild this is like the thing that really sentenced them all like to life and to death it's crazy um, 
So all three young men that very day, Damian Eccles, Jason Baldwin, Jesse Miss Kelly, were arrested and charged with three counts of capital murder of boys they had never met. Investigator Gitchell holds a press conference, and when he's asked how confident he is about the case, on a scale, he says 11. Whoa. Yeah, he's confident because he like kind of teed all this up. I mean, I'm just saying because we know that's how it goes, but that's wild. And that's very ballsy to ever say you are that confident unless you have a reason to be that confident. So he would later say um, when he was being, I can't remember what he was being questioned about, but it was about, it was about the case. He later said that was a stupid remark he made and, and he would take it back. But he still believes that Damien, Jesse, and Jason are, are guilty and he'll fight you on it. And, and it's ridiculous to me. But that's wild yeah. that he believes that. Yeah. So Martin David Hill has been researching this case forever and he has a compilated website. We'll link it down below, but I got like so much amazing information that he had just compilated over years worth of time on this. So this is a quote um, from his website on the morning of June 4th, 1993, Gail Grinnell, the mother of Jason Baldwin spoke with detective Rich demanding an explanation for why her son was arrested. She stated Jason was at home at the time of the murders. Rich said the police couldn't begin to investigate his alibi until Jason spoke to them. Jason had refused to make a statement without a lawyer. Wow. Smart kid. Grinnell was shown the confession of Jesse Miss Kelly. Detective Rich says, well, it's like this. We've got a story that is very, very believable. It's so close to perfect that we have to believe it. So until we can break that story apart and we can't even start breaking it apart until Jason tells us something. And Gail responds, there's so many different stories in that. In that story, Miss Kelly gave up. I don't, I doubt anyone can believe it. And Detective Ridge says, that's what I'm telling you. And it's believable. And Gail says, it's not believable to me because he's got too many different discrepancies in it. And Detective Ridge responds with, you don't have the point of view we've got. We know what we looked at at the crime scene and it's very believable. And I, to that point, Three little boys have been brutally murdered in the woods. This is an emotional response. It's not something that law enforcement or a judge or anyone should be emotional about. I mean, we even talked about with the Maddie Clifton case, but that judge was too emotional when it came to Josh's sentence. Like you can't get this. You have to somehow they have to professionally separate themselves from it or it ends up being like this. Like they just want to get someone for it like and at that point it doesn't even matter who they've got it in their brains that it's these three teenagers who did it you know right and i forget what they say it's like the pursuit of winning or like closing a case versus the pursuit of truth Mm -hmm. um and at the end of the day like closing a case is not justice or like prosecutorial prosecutorial misconduct also leads to not justice um because it's just about winning and closing cases versus putting someone a way that committed a crime like actually committed the crime and finding justice for the victim so that's yeah we've seen that time and time again time and time again it's like it honestly like i wish there was a way that i mean what what did i was thinking about this the other day what did andy say about it where prosecutors need to remember what their job is and it's not to win a case necessarily it's to ensure you know that someone that's guilty isn't isn't getting away you know like it's not it's not about winning. It shouldn't be about winning for a prosecutor. It should be, you know, 
about seeking the truth. Like right. that's what seeking our country is based yep. on. Yeah. So Jesse Miss Kelly was tried separately from Damien and Jason. His statement that he gave during his um, confession, he said, quote unquote, Michael Moore took off running. So I chased him and grabbed him and held him until they got there. And then I left. So he said he left partially through like the murders. That statement in particular hurt his case in many ways. The prosecutor said this proved that he knew that one of the boys was separated from the others because, you know, they found the bodies separate. Michael was separate Mm -hmm. from the other two. And they said that this proved also that he knew it was Michael. Did they didn't take into account that according to Jesse's story, he brought they all brought Michael back, you know, and Jesse just left. So Jesse had no idea where the boys ended up. But right. Jesse was convicted by a jury of one count of first degree murder and two counts of second degree, sentencing him to life in prison plus 40 years. This was appealed, but the Arkansas Supreme Court upheld the conviction. Just three weeks later, Damien and Jason would be tried. Separately? So, nope, together. Together. They, They're they together. together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So due to the lack of physical evidence found at the scene, like there, and that can be equated to even like the police just not doing their job properly, properly. A lot would yeah. argue that um, the crime scene was trampled. And, and I mean, they drugged them out and left them there sitting in the hot, what was it? Hot sun. Yeah. Like- yeah. And apparently I read this between filming last week's episode and this week's episode that the coroner, of course we know is supposed to be called immediately upon finding a dead body. The police should have never even removed them from the water. Yeah. The coroner should have been the one to do that. So just destroying evidence. Um, Absolutely crazy. So Meredith McKay testified that the night of the murders, Damien and his family um, were visiting her cousins at the house around 7 p.m. that evening. And her cousin would also testify to seeing Damien that evening as well. A lot of people started coming forward um, concerning where Damien and Jason were that evening. A lot of stories were different, were muddled. Jason was supposedly at a wrestling match that evening, I believe. Um, it can't like there was no ticket stub or anything else. Um, and then Damien, his story has changed a little bit, but it was always that he'd gone to visit a few people and then gone home. Like, so I didn't go over like their full that you can find that like all online, like where exactly they all said they were. Yeah. Um, but many started coming forward saying that they had heard Damien verbally confess to these crimes. Now, Damien's obviously no saint. We talked about that last episode, his past um, issues, but he, these confessions were really wild. So on May 26, 1993, 18 year old William Jones spoke to police stating that Damien Eccles had confessed to him. And this is his, uh, statement. He stated that Damien was a Satan worshiper, but did not explain how he knew this. Jones didn't. Jones went on to say that late in the evening on the previous Friday, May 21st, he questioned Damien about his rumored involvement in these murders. Everybody wanted me to ask him. So I asked him and he said that he cut them, that, you know, he had sex with them and molested them. Damien allegedly went on to say he sodomized the victims and cut them with what was described as a 10 to 12 inch knife. And Jones said that he talked to Damien about the confession the next day. And at the time, Damien denied it. The rumors in this case were so prevalent and perverse. 
he wouldn't be the only one to come forward. There were also softball girl, girls. According to the notes from Detective Ridge, that's what they're known as, the softball girls. Okay. Um, I know it sounded weird. <laughs> whole team. <laughs> An entire team. So Rachel Myers said that um, she and Shelly Wolf had overheard Damien confess that while at the uh, confess, excuse me, while he was at the softball park. Now Ridge interviewed Wolf and she said she had heard this from Shannon Bowles. It's like, Oh, this is like, this so is you where we're at. It. This yeah, is it's at. like a telephone confession. Yes. So Shannon Bowles at 14 at the time describes it a bit differently. So she says around May 21st, 1993, I was at the girls club in West Memphis at my softball game. And this girl, Michelle Carter told me that Damian Eccles came up to her and said that he killed those boys. And I just said, really? And she said, yes. Returning the favor, Michelle Carter said Passed that along. <laughs> she was Jeez. told by Shannon Bowles. Like it just, it just oh keeps like unraveling. Yeah, yeah that's like four four people removed. Like that, you heard it through the grapevine. Like, yeah, can you imagine. I cannot imagine. It literally like, and I don't know unraveled. how that ever gets called in. Like where you're like, so you heard the? They're like, nope, I heard it from a friend. They're like, so you heard it? Nope, wasn't me either. I heard it from like. So they're going through the teenage girls like their their telephone the like, line. They're like, yeah, yeah. This is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but who did you hear? <laughs> like literally in Jeez. high school. Yeah. Yes. Um, so did anyone actually hear anything from Damien ever? Did they well, get to the bottom of it? See here, I don't believe so. So. Returning the favor, Michelle Carter said that she was told by Shannon Bowles about two weeks ago at my ball game at the girls club. I was told by Shannon Bowles from Marion that there was a boy named Damien that he killed the boys, but he didn't cut their thing off. He bit it off. So now Michelle knows that. It's all so disrespectful. Yeah. Trey. Yeah. yeah. So Trey Bowles, Shannon's brother, he said, <laughs> and David Smith heard um, David Way state that he had overheard Eccles confess. This is police records. I get why they have to record it, but I don't know why they'd spend much time on this. They'd be like, okay, yeah, well there's been rumors. Okay. Now what? David Way along, especially if these are just high school rumors. Oh, it's wild. So David Way said he heard from David Smith. There's no notes regarding David Smith's version. Another one of the softball girls, Christy Van Vickle, came forward for these arrests. Davidson said, um, don't remember when it was, the day, the week it was on. She says she doesn't know. He says, um, did what, what did he say before you said that he killed um, those boys? What did he say before that? She doesn't know. He says, what did he say after? I don't know. How close were you? I wasn't close. You weren't close. Did he scream it? So I don't he know. Just, so you just overheard from across the room with zero context and you don't really know him. And he's like, yeah, I murdered the boys. And you're like, got it. Got to go tell someone. <laughs> that makes n- no sense. None. None. Ever. And these rumors, like it didn't just end there. This, this is where, okay. So as I said in part one, Damien's not a Satanist. He's Wiccan. But for whatever reason, this, this Wiccan faith that he was involved in, it really ru- ruffled some feathers. Um, I mean, Damien's name in and of itself, it demonized itself because of the omen. Uh, even though he had named himself after a saint, according to him from the Catholic, Catholic religion, he's now a demon because it's a demon, a demon. <laughs> well, we're getting tipsy today. It's fine. But uh-huh. like, you, you know, like it's so ridiculous. So John Mark Byers, who's a stepfather of Christopher Byers, 
He claimed that he heard over police radio that Damien Eccles had hidden under his bed a jar containing Chris Byers' testicles. He heard that over police radio and also what? That's what he says. So John Mark Byers, especially if you watch any of the Paradise Lost series, he, until the third one, he is adamantly sure that these teenagers killed his child. He's angry. Mm. He's out for blood. He's coming for them. I mean, he says it like right off. How you're introduced to him is him walking the crime scene and talking about what he would do to each three of those boys if they were anywhere near him wow. because of what they did to his stepson. And so he says he heard this at the time of the trial and everything else. And because John Mark said it, the media and the community ran with it. Yeah, because it's a victim's father, like stepfather. Yes. Yeah. That wasn't true at all, by the way. There were no testicles, nothing physically tied Damien or any of the other two to the crime at all. So that's a horrendous rumor. That's that horrible. I don't, I don't think that was even from the police either. I think John Mark just had like a, he was ready to go. So just jotting back to like the softball girls, there were also girls from a skating rink that came forward to tell police that Damien was going to kill two more virgins before he was arrested after killing the boys said she could hear Damien in her mind saying, bitch, you're going <laughs> to die. You know, too much reminds me so much of the Salem witch trials. They came to an, yeah. Oh, eating, eating pea cakes and like random stuff. Like, <laughs> wasn't it that, um, no, <laughs> why are you hearing, why are you hearing Damien's voice? He, he wasn't across the room from you. Like, no, someone already used that one. It's crazy that like, all of this is actually becoming part of police record and becoming like, was it brought into trial? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like that. It's actually allowed <laughs> into trial because it's completely unsubstantiated. Yeah. So wait, it gets better. Okay. So they have an occult expert come in, right? He's, oh my, uh, <laughs> here we go. I can only imagine who gets on the stand on this one. He's a retired police <laughs> officer. His name is Dale W. Griffiths. He's 56 <gasps> years old. Okay. They had all kinds of these experts back then. Isn't that nuts? It is. They like go yeah. to conferences to learn about, uh, I don't know, like Satanism. Satan. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, we're an, I'm an expert. I'm like, oh, cause you got your weekend certificate. I like, why? Well, wait, so he didn't even oh my have God. any. So wait, so wait, it's down here, but he had a mail order degree. Okay. And when the, yes. defense brought, the defense brought this up to try to discredit him, because if they're discredited, they can't, they can't it's be an, an expert. expert witness. Yeah. Yeah. So they bring it up to try to discredit him and the judge got like angry. Like you can see it cause this was filmed. So you can, you oh. can see the judge get like pissed because um, they say that they said in the state of Arkansas, according to the law that a quote unquote expert witness must have a degree in the field that they are an expert on. And the judge responded back immediately. And he said he wasn't aware of any quote unquote law of the, like that. That's and when you take so a recess and you like, go check it out. Yeah, oh and make God. sure there is a law and that it didn't matter. So basically, if they're an expert, they're an expert. So if like even if they don't have experience in the field, if they're I'm an, an expert, expert like, I'm like that's right? so horrible that you could just proclaim you're an expert and therefore you are an expert. Wow. So yeah. So he would testify about the dangers of wearing all black, black nail polish, terrible things. The danger to it's so dangerous. <laughs> you're in danger, Danielle. <laughs> It's so dangerous for you to wear all black. <laughs> Testified to the significance of the number three or why they killed three. 
Um, their age of eight apparently is a witch's number. So jot that down for your future reference. Um, Damien's interest in Aleister Crowley was dangerous as well. Now he's an English occultist who it was also very controversial. The, the, the Beatles had him on the, the cover of one of their mm. albums. Like that was a yeah. whole thing at the time, but this was extremely damning in prison. Um, Damien had been learning like this new alphabet. I can't even remember what it was, but he was writing out different people's names. He wrote his son's name out, Dominie's name out. And they asked him, they were like, do you know, like, I'm paraphrasing, but they're like, do you know when you wrote this? They were like, was it before you're in prison or after? Like they're trying to slip him up. And he's like, I think it was before, but like, I'm honestly not sure. And then he's like, well, it couldn't have been before. Right. Cause your son's name was here. So like, Oh, big smoking gun. Cause Damien's son was born like while he was mm -hmm. in prison. Yeah. So ridiculous. So, and then he'd also written Alistair's name when they asked him about Alistair's name. He was like, I thought it was a cool name. So I was like writing it down anyways. This expert also testified about how the date the boys committed the murder on was no accident. It was close to Bellatine, one of a pagan holiday, and it was mm. on a full moon. So there we go. Um, there was hardly any blood found at the crime scene, and one of the victim's bodies hardly had any blood left in it. So he started testifying about the life force of the blood, how the younger you are, the more powerful it is, see into Satanist. Um, a lot of the times they would take blood and store it for uses like consuming it, bathe in it. Um, now, Damien had been rumored, so before even the murders, to consume blood of people that he was romantically linked with. A lot of people do that. Um, like the, what, Angelina Jolie and yeah. what's his name? Uh, Billy Bob Thornton. The, yeah. the original MGK and Megan Fox back right. in the day. It's no like. Yuck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Not my cup of tea, but everybody has. Teach their own. Twine. your kicks. Wow. Obviously, Max and I don't have sex in front of our friends. We're letting people know way too much about us. Because, like, no, the last few episodes, we put a lot of judgment on teenagers having sex in front of their oh, friends. Oh, I was like, what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> My mother listens to this podcast. Like, I, I was like, I don't know where this is coming from. Never said we did. <laughs> we just put a lot of judgment on teenagers lately. <laughs> and then drinking blood, not about it. <laughs> There's a lot of things that we are not about. <laughs> Those are on the list. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. So. Um, oh, sorry, Mom. Anyways, <laughs> that's enough about the occult guy. So. <laughs> I can't believe that any of that's allowed to be shared as expert witness uh, testimony. I know. I mean, the Internet existed clearly in 1993. This is like this man Googled the occult. And you're like, yeah, they drink blood. Uh. Yeah, no. The number three, yeah. like, yeah, it's a mess. I don't know. Good job, so, guy. On Jason's side of this whole trial, Michael Carson, who was 16 years old at the time, he was also an inmate with Jason, um, came forward. He testifies that while in prison, Jason had told him he dismembered one of the boys which never happened. None of the boys were dismembered and drank the blood from his penis and scrotum and put the balls in his mouth. Drug and alcohol counselor at this juvenile detention center, Danny Williams would call the defense in this case for Jason and say that he is embarrassed to tell them what he needs to tell them. But there's this guy named Michael Carson and he's going to testify that Jason confessed to him while he was in prison. And I know he's lying. 
They said, how do you know this? He says, well, Michael was one of my kids that I was working with. And we had a conversation and I about Jason being accused of killing these three boys and sexually mm-hmm. mutilating them. So all of these details, his drug and al- alcohol counselor had in advance applied for yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't know about any of this. He right. was given this. Yeah. So Danny then calls the prosecution and tells them that he's a liar Yet the prosecution still used the kid. They were able to keep the child's background out of court because he's LSD dependent at the at that point in time. And the judge didn't allow that in court at all. Why and would they allow him to testify then? If he's LSD like, dependent. Yeah. 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 Mm. Wow. And then Michael Carson would later say in interviews after he's recanted this entire thing that he was on serious drugs when he testified. So he's fucking whacked out of his mind. Imagine. So, yeah. Yeah. And and they allowed that. They allowed the victim's families to sit in that room and hear about their children being dismembered, which didn't even it didn't even happen. So that's why, like, how is he credible at all? Wouldn't they be like, no, sir, you're off. Like it gets like, it's crazy. It gets worse because he was also about to do serious time for several counts of residential burglary at the time. And then the prosecutor got a hold of him to testify in this case. Did he get so, a lesser sentence or a lenient I don't sentence? know. And it, I didn't look too far into him, but yeah. that was, like, the thing of, like, why he testified for them. Yeah, usually, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a, a deal. A gentle nudge, yeah, towards a deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why I, I have a hard time believing expert witnesses, especially, like, I just sat in on this whole Amber Heard, Johnny Depp thing. The, the expert witnesses, unless they physically, the only one I thought was credible, like unless they sat and physically evaluated people was Shannon Curry because she sat and physically evaluated Amber Heard. So like these experts call, being called in and then you have these witnesses that get called in like this. And if it's, if it's a jail time witness, I have a hard time with that too, because it's like, there's always usually something, you know, that they're, they're getting out of it. They're not just out of the kindness of their heart coming in to testify. Usually that's in the questioning. So the jury knows if they're getting a deal or not a deal. I mean, typically, okay. but still like, um, no, it's I, I don't know why that wouldn't be discrediting to most witnesses get or most, uh, like CIs or pri- uh, prison informants or anybody like that. That's getting a deal. You'd be like, yeah, that's going to be, that's going to be known in court. Yeah. So Damien was his worst enemy. Um, during the trial and subsequently before he'd been called into question um, before the police had arrested him and like all of that. And he had given them information. He thought he was just there as an informant. He would later say like, just giving them information since he was like on the outside and he knew that kind of like lifestyle and everything. Um, So Davis like questioned him and said, now did you ask about what type of things you would expect to find at the scene where the three boys were murdered? And Damien says if it was a satanic killing and the detective says if it was a satanic killing, he says yes. Then after he's arrested, he says that he'll confess to them after they've been badgering him and not allowing him an attorney that he'll confess as long as he's allowed to see his mom. Oh, no. They bring his mom in. He's he's not going to confess at all. So he's, he's just being... Like, but also that's like for honestly, for young people, (laughs) I hope you're not watching us, but like, that's a good ploy. Like if the police aren't allowing you to get your counsel or anything like that's pretty like, yeah, no, I don't know, but like, you got to give me counsel, man. There's (laughs) so many cases where they're, uh, yeah, 
the investigators or police do not allow parents or counsel access to children right away. And that just seems insane to me. Do you think you would have a case at all or that this wouldn't get called in uh, like into question of misconduct, obviously, like for not having an attorney or a parent like guardian present? Yeah. Ridiculous. Um, to your point from the last episode, you were talking about how kids off like the grab, like off the griff, they like, they say weird things to kind of turn people off of them, you mm, know? Yeah. Um, and keep them Talk away. a big so, game. Yeah. Mm, so Vicki Hutchison, who testified against him in the last episode, um, she had told Damien that she had heard he liked to drink blood. And he said that he used stories like that as a quote unquote mechanism. So she asked him what that was about. And he said, it means leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> Yeah, you're like, I drink blood, leave me alone. Like, that's a good way to get people to leave you alone. Yeah. And then I think this was pretty bad. So during the filming of the first part of Paradise Lost, Damien said, I knew from when I was real small, people were going to know who I was. I always had a feeling. I just never knew how they were going to learn. I kind of enjoy it now because even after I die, people are going to remember me forever. People are going to talk about me for years. People in West Memphis will tell their kids stories. It'll be sort of like I'm the West Memphis boogeyman. Little kids will be looking under their beds. Damien might be under there. Bad oh, look. Oh, Damien. Yeah. Help yourself out. So in the second part of Paradise Lost, he tried to clarify that a little bit. He said that he was just like so far gone on being done with this. He didn't think he was actually going to be convicted of it because he didn't do it. And so he was saying stupid things as an 18 year old, but I'm like, that's a really stupid fucking thing. And it really like cruel thing to say too, when you consider the victim's parents and everything. Yeah. That's a rough one. That was a rough quote. That's a tough Um, one. Yeah. So was there a physical evidence that linked any of the West Memphis three to the crime? So a knife was found. It was located be- about 50 feet from Jason's trailer in the same p- trailer park where Jason and Dominie, Damien's girlfriend, uh, lived. So the knife was about nine inches long. So the recovery team that went in to find it, they suited up at 1030 a.m. And they located the knife by 1135. It so was right found away? pretty quick. Yeah. It was found on November 17th, 1993, my second birthday. But... <laughs> There was a lot of weird things about this knife. So 50 yards from Damien's 50, house. Yeah. From Jason's house, but the same, Jason's they're in the same house. trailer. Gotcha. They're in the same trailer park. Yeah. So this knife, it's like, it's very long. It doesn't fold or anything, but this, what's interesting to me. So let me tell you about Jason's statement or excuse me, Jesse's statement to the police. Cause Jesse's the one that confessed. Right. Mm-hmm. So detective Ridge says, all right. So you're describing a knife that would be about six inches long. Is that right? Jesse says, yes. And then detective Ridge says, what kind of blade did it have on it? Jesse says, uh, like a regular bladed knife. And then detective Ridge says, was it a knife? Like you fold up or was it like a hunting knife? Jesse says it was. Ridge says, just one piece. And Jesse says, just a a fold-up knife. Ridge says it was a folding knife. And then Jesse says, yes. So let me show you. Again, more inconsistencies. More inconsistencies. Not a foldable knife. So it's not like the full thing, but you can see that it's not like a folding knife. Oh, wow. And you can also see the (laughs) blade. It's different. Man, that cannot get confused with like a a butterfly knife. Is that what they call? Yeah. uh, 
I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I have my brother on here. He's very into not knives. an expert. <laughs> um, it's not the same as like the pocket knife hunt. Like even like the larger like like I'm using like my fingers for like six inches hunting knife that like opens up or like. I don't think it's anything that could ever be confused with anything like that. It's a very serrated blade and it's a bladed knife with a handle, like no folding involved. It's very big. Also, when they started looking at this case, like just to think about it. So they thought at the time that Christopher Byers penis had been skinned, right? I don't think a knife like that could skin because that they said this knife had carried on all the cuts on the boys, everything else. Now they believe that it was animals at this that that had done all this damage to the bodies because they were left overnight and they were in that water and and all and there's claw marks on the boys as well. But and then like fairer assessment of that situation, like I'm sure that makes a lot more sense because this knife is a super serrated knife. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know anything about knives, but it doesn't seem like it's able to do something delicate. No. So many thought this knife was a convenience due to location, obviously, where it was found and everything else. Um, at the time that the knife was found, there were at least 16 different knives in evidence already. 20 oh. in total would be recovered. Yeah. People so, just be losing knives everywhere. That's well, crazy because um, how did this, if this was underwater, right? Like, was there any evidence? How would they say that it was a t- like tied back to this crime? They, but they, said it, they said it was Damien's knife. And here's the funny thing. So this knife was found um, behind Jason's house. Like we've talked about a million times now. I'm so sorry. The, that's like the 15th time we repeat it. Take a shot every time we say that it's behind Jason's. But there was this knife. Like, it was behind Jason's house. But <laughs> this knife, like, uh, okay. So they said it was Damien's knife. But get this. So the scuba diver that was interviewed after finding the knife, he said that John Fogelman, who was one of the prosecutors on the case, was the one to give me give him the information on where to find the knife and come to find out that john fogelman had figured all of this out from jason's mother who she had said she'd thrown the knife into the lake about a year before the crimes were even committed what i have no idea why she threw it in the lake i have no idea like what the deal is about that but there's too much this is the thing in our country it's innocent until proven guilty there is too much leeway going on here that doesn't make a damn lick of sense. And then get this. Yeah. All these other knives are in evidence, right? So Jason Crosby was responsible for, for providing two of the knives on the morning after the arrest. Crosby was 15 years old. He approached his principal with the concern that he could be considered involved in the murders. He said someone had slipped a boot knife into his backpack at school and he didn't know who it was. The principal wrote up a report stating that Crosby had said he knew the boys that were just announced as killers on TV were guilty of killing those three boys. And Crosby knew Michael Eccles, Damien Eccles, was into Satan worship. The knife was turned into the police. In a September 2nd interview with prosecutor John Fogelman, Crosby said that he had not told his principal that he knew who the three killers were, nor had he said he knew that Damien, Damien, Damien was a Satanist. Excuse me. So, like, there's just, like, a lot. I don't know. There's a lot going on here. I can't believe the, I mean, I can, but I can't, because also I was listening to another podcast where they were talking about this, like the victims' families after this initial trauma are also re-victimized so many times by false tips and people inserting themselves into the investigation, hindering the investigation, like stop inserting yourself. Yeah. 
Stop. Like, stop. It's nonsense. So there were also fibers that were found in their bodies. And at one point in time, it was believed that these fibers were similar to unidentified samples that they'd retrieved from the homes of Jason and Damien. So they'd retrieve these like clothing items from these houses. But now scientists are saying that these fibers were analyzed wrong and mm. that there was no way to conclusively tell whether or not these fibers were in anyone's yeah. home. Like, it doesn't matter whether it was in Jason or Damien's. They couldn't tell if it was in yours or mine. So those are ruled out. A lot of evidence was lost in this case, too. We already have talked talked on those scrapings, right? Yep. We talked about the scrapings. Um, uh, We've the crime scene was trampled. I don't think we'll ever be 100 percent sure, unfortunately, who committed these crimes. But we know who didn't. It's the thing. Um, Now, there were bite marks found on the bodies as well. I mean, that was even brought up in Ted Bundy's trial. So why are we not yeah. analyzing these bite marks? Well, they didn't really bring it into court at all, which is ridiculous. So years later, we would find out that these bite marks don't match any of the teens at all. I just don't yeah. trust forensic dentistry because it's mm-hmm. been used to wrongfully convict other people. That's and fair. they're like, yeah. and I think you can use it to exclude people, maybe not necessarily prove that it is one person. Yeah. No, that's fair. Anyhow. I mean, you, Yeah. So what's even crazier. So one of the stepfathers during the filming of Paradise Lost and all of this stuff, he would actually gift a knife to the HBO documentary people and they would open it up and see that there was what appeared to be human blood on it. Oh, my. They immediately turn it into the police who at the time it's the 90s. So they don't have the same evidence like DNA, you know, to pull it off like they do today and they tested it and found that the blood type tied back to that stepfather as well as mm-hmm. to his stepson they had the same blood type christopher byers and john um mark byers so yeah this though unfortunately through that testing they damaged the rest of the blood we'll never be able to test that again so now that we have all this further de- it's just, it's it's despicable yeah. and then get this they thought they lost all of the evidence a while ago in a fire they thought they lost all of it that's so insane that that can happen i yeah wow and now they're saying oh no 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 we didn't so now this is why they're heading back to court because they have all of this evidence that they can bring forward that they can retry for dna testing the state doesn't want to admit they're wrong in my humble opinion and it, it, it like so many people got promoted off the back of this case so many people had so much writing on the back of this case police officers also just don't want to not have an unsolved crime like this in their area can't blame them on that noise but you can't falsely convict people so there was just so much wrong also there could have been juror misconduct conduct because jesse wouldn't testify against either of the boys um his testimony was inadmissible into their trial so jason and damien's trial however it already been on the front page of the paper yeah yeah and the trial we've already discussed has should have been moved if if that jury was uh yeah biased yeah, so on um in July of 2008, evidence, so 2008, so years later, mm. evidence surfaces that Ken Arnold, the jury foreman in the Jason and Damien trial, discussed the case with an attorney prior to deliberations. Oh, what? <laughs> I can't believe he's... <laughs> That's... 
I can't believe that jury wasn't wouldn't have been like sequestered or something. Then. Oh, they were. They were. So he really <sighs> wanted to get on this trial and he contacted his friend who's a lawyer and was like, hey, how do I get on this trial? I'm like paraphrasing like crazy right now. He's like, hey, how do I get on this trial? And then he's like, you're not going to get on it. Like you've got like some really strong opinions on this. So it's just like not yeah. going to happen. Um, next thing you know, he got on it and his friend it was like, how did you do that? And he was like, dumb lawyers and dumb judges. Like, I can't That's believe they it, weren't, didn't throw it out. Yep. It's crazy. And then he had already heard, according to this lawyer, well, it wasn't, it was attorney client privilege, so privilege, privilege. So he couldn't speak on it, but one of um, his employees was speaking about it. And she said, because of, um, he had already been talking to, to his lawyer about the the confession already talking to him about his beliefs and their guilt and everything and then he ended up as the jury foreman not just Mm -hmm. a jury member the Mm -hmm. jury foreman for ridiculous so in the end unfortunately damien and jason were found guilty of the capital murder of these three boys and and this is the unfortunate thing about wrongful convictions too it's not just unfortunate for those that are wrongly convicted. Oh no, it's unfortunate for the victims. It's unfortunate for the victim's family. Every time they appeal, it's extremely painful. All of these appeals will be denied by the way, by the same judge that was residing over the case, which I don't think should be legal. I think that's ridiculous. I think you need to have a new judge take a clean set of eyes on. You think I didn't know that really could happen. I didn't either until this case. So yeah. So it's the same judge denying and denying and denying appeals. And it's also painful because now Everyone except for Terry Hobbs is convinced that their kids were killed by other people. Yeah. And they have to fight for this as well. Like this isn't, this case is still very, well, the case is closed when someone's convicted. So that's what's so frustrating about it in the long run. Of course, like obviously the wrongful convictions are um, horrible, but you're back to square one of like, Hey, there's not justice for the victim. So, Yes. So I know we teased last time that we were going to talk about the other people that were involved with this case, but unfortunately we just don't have time today. This has gone on way too long. So we are going to have a part three. We're going to talk about other suspects. We're of course going to be very careful because we don't want to do to Damien or do to other people what was done to Damien, Jesse or Jason. Um, But we will talk about that um, and the DNA evidence and, and other things as we go on. Um, But yeah, we're kind of at the end of everything today. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. I know for myself, since transitioning to a working from home environment, the importance of taking care of your own mental health. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You'll be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Now, it's not a crisis line and it's not self-help. It is professional therapy done securely online. The service is available for clients worldwide, and you can log into your account anytime, day or night, to message your therapist. It's more affordable than traditional in-person therapy, and financial aid is available. You can visit their website and read other clients' testimonials that are posted daily. Visit BetterHelp.com ITT, that's Better H-E-L-P, and join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. And for listeners of Innocent Till Tipsy, you can go to their website and get an additional 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash ITT. That's betterhelp.com slash ITT. Okay. Um, Damien and Jason, I mean, we know, but I'll just reiterate it real quick. Damien was sentenced to death um, by lethal injection. And Jason was sentenced to life in prison 
So all of these boys were never. I can't believe that that their trials resulted in those sentences. After listening to this noise, really not that much substantial, if any, evidence um, against them. So it's ridiculous. All right, cheers. So next time. Until next time. Cheers. A Huda Media Production.